are uh, kind of wrapping up a portion in the series that we're um, going through in Luke's Gospel. So we've been um, kind of just hanging out in the Gospel of Luke, or uh, can also be known as the Good News Story of Luke. Uh, it's an historical account of the life of Jesus. There were four accounts that we have that are in our Bibles by people named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we're just spending a lot of time in Luke. In the last number of weeks, we've been in Luke chapter 6. And we've been looking at the teaching of Jesus, the, the actual things that he said. And the, the correlating account of this is in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Sometimes it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in Luke, sometimes it's called the Sermon on the Plain. And we're just kind of wrapping up, coming to the end of this teaching section where we have, if some of your Bibles, it might be all the words in red that you have of Jesus speaking. And he's kind of tying it all together and, and encouraging people, inviting people, challenging people to think about the things that he said. Do you remember when this teaching starts in Luke 6? He says, but to you who are willing to listen. And I think Jesus just had an awareness, an astute awareness that while he might be attractive to a lot of people, not everybody's interested in actually following him and what he's calling us to. That becomes a challenge. And so he is going to tell two stories and what we're going to look at today. One about um, trees bearing fruit, that good trees can't bear bad fruit and bad trees can't bear good fruit. And then he's going to move on and talk about foundations. What does it mean to have a solid foundation for life that's going to hold you up through the thick and thin uh, areas of life? So, as we read through this, we're going to be looking at this idea of identity, of who we are. How do, how do people know who we are? And we're going to be looking at this idea of obedience and wisdom. But when it comes to identity, this is a really rather curious thing. Because we have a great way of identifying people, right? First thing is, when someone walks in the room, you look at them, and you kind of make an, a values assessment. And say you can't say, I don't do that. Yes, you do. We all do it. We look at somebody, and we make a value assessment. One of the beautiful things that Jesus teaches us is to go beyond that and not, not dwell on that. And then we get to meet people, and we do the hi, like, hi, how are you? And then the next thing we ask somebody typically is what? What is your name? And then they tell you your name, and 13 seconds later, you have no idea what their name is, right? So this happens to me a lot. And, um, and, I, and so after... After we meet somebody and we ask them what their name is, usually what's the next question that we ask them? What do you do? And we are identifying people. And I hate that question. So what do you do? So this is what I say. Like, this is how I often will tell people uh, when, they, when they ask me that question. I'll say, listen, if you're an electrician and somebody finds out you're an electrician, they want to talk to you and find out like, how to fix that plug in the house. If you're a, a police officer, people want to talk to you because they've got questions about whether or not they should have got that ticket. Right, Mark? Mark's one of our police officers in the congregation. If you are a lawyer, people want to talk to you and find out certain things. If you are a pastor, people don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so when people ask me, what do you do? Sometimes, and, I, and generally like outside of the church context, I try to just 
be incognito and not let people know what I do. Not because I'm ashamed, but because when they find out, often they change. And I, and I wish they wouldn't. So sometimes someone will say to me, what do you do? And I say, well, I work for a global enterprise that offers holistic health from infancy through to death. <laughs> and, oh, okay. So, and then eventually they're going to find out that, that I'm a pastor. And they find that out and they usually say, oh, that makes more sense. And I'm always left thinking, like, is that a good thing or a bad thing that that makes more sense? And I think what they're referencing is my behavior has kind of tipped them off into maybe who I am. And then they find out that I'm a pastor. And I'm hoping that it's, oh, that explains why you are so amazing. We knew there was something about you. Identity. Let me read these verses for you. Actually, we'll follow them here. Matthew 7, beginning at verse 43. Jesus says, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And I think the the essence that Jesus is laying out here for us in in a wonderful way of inviting his original hearers and those of us reading this today and hearing it again or hearing it for the first time is to realize how much the fruit of something reveals what's going on in the heart of it. Our identity is revealed by our actions. People um, experience your Actions and it comes across as wonderfully beautiful and ripe and sweet, or sometimes it comes across as a little bit shriveled. And as Jesus tells the story, you're kind of left going like, ah, okay. So the stuff that's going on on the inside works its way out. And this is true for every single one of us, no matter how good we are at covering up whatever is going on inside. And it might be today you're here and life is just on a high. And, and you're here and it just shows in your face. And others, life is really bad right now. And it shows. You know, we have that expression, you wear your emotions on your sleeve. I'm someone that often I wear my emotions on my sleeve. You can tell how I'm doing when I walk into the room. And so I've just learned to be authentic in an appropriate way. But our identity is revealed by the way that we live, the way that we behave, the things that we do, the things that we say. And so Jesus is saying here, uh, he uses um, two descriptions of people, good people and evil people. And that that word uh, evil, sometimes we, we tend to make a mental picture of like the worst of the worst of the worst. But that word evil can, can mean like of moral character, but it can also mean something that is worthless, or it's in such bad condition that it's no longer of any value. And I think either one of those descriptions for this word, the way this word is used, 
um, in its original language, either one of those applies in this kind of context. When, when Jesus is saying, realize this, your identity is not only about what you claim to be, but your identity is, is lived out through your actions. And so, the fruit that we're looking for is the kind of fruit that is characterized in Jesus. So the Apostle Paul, who's one of the early leaders in the church, who wrote a lot of our New Testament, and it's all letters that he was writing to churches, wrote to a group of Christians in an area of modern-day Turkey called Galatia. It would have been a province in, uh, in the old um, world at that time. And he wrote a letter to them, a lot about being free in Christ. And in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, he says, this is the kind of fruit that reveals a person that is following Jesus and filled with the Spirit of Christ. And so he goes on and he lists these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you could take those and image those into fruit, you can see what kind of fruit that is, can't you? It's beautiful fruit. It's delicious fruit. It is your favorite fruit. Whatever that might be. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that when you are filled with the Spirit of God and you are living in step with Him and in sync with His desires for your life, this is the kind of stuff that gets produced. And this is all stuff that is very much characterized by the way we treat other people. It is, it is not so much just all the stuff that goes on in our heads. It's the stuff that comes out of our hands and our feet and our mouths and the way we interact with other people. And I think that's why uh, in John's Gospel, uh, John has an account with Jesus teaching and saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can't bear good fruit. But if you stay with me, I'll produce good fruit in you. There'll be pruning that happens, but it'll be good fruit and fruit that lasts. So it's a lot about identity. And then he moves from, from this talk about identity being revealed by the way we live. Our identity is revealed by the way we live. It's interesting that it's not so much about having right answers or perfect theology. It's about the way we interact with people that reveals whether or not we're following the way of Jesus. And then he moves into this idea about obedience. <clears throat> a monk from the 8th century said obedience is the burial of the will and the resurrection of humility. But right after Jesus talks about good fruit and bad fruit, he says this in this next verse. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? So this isn't so much of an invitation as much as it's kind of a rebuking question. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do what I say? 
We have a dog at our house, and uh, if you've been to our house, you've met Dakota. And Dakota is a great dog. She's about this big. She's a mutt. We got her from the Humane Society. She's part collie, part lab. She has two colored eyes, but she's all tan. And so she has the fur of a lab, but most of everything else in her is very collie in her mannerisms. And when we got her as a pup, I spent about 18 months training this dog. And partly why it took so long, because we also have children. And so you train the dog, and then the children untrain the dog. And then you train the dog. And so we trained her for things in obedience, like not jumping up on people. Or to come, and even using hand signals to come and to sit and to stay, to heal. And she's a great dog in, in most of the time. But part of the obedience was helping Dakota realize, who's the Elsa here? Who's the master in this house? And she, for the most part, has been um, really good with that. She's seven and a half years old, and sometimes she just looks at me and does what she wants and kind of laughs, like, yeah, right. You know, if you have a dog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But this idea of calling Jesus Lord is to recognize he has authority over you. When we use this word Lord, we're basically saying this person is the master. And I would suspect that in our culture, that actually is, is really difficult because we spend most of our time um, living under uh, the messaging that we are our own master. And yet the very thing that Jesus is inviting people to is to come under his mastery, to come under his lordship. And a lord is someone of whom we recognize their authority over us. And Jesus is really challenging people that want to follow him by saying, why do you call me lord when you're not willing to do what I ask you to do? And so Jesus has this amazing teaching, and we read in the end of Matthew's account that people heard Jesus teach, and they were amazed at his teaching because he taught like one who had authority. And yet here he's saying things like that, that it probably if you're hearing this, you're kind of thinking like, that, that's not the warm, fluffy stuff that, that, uh, that I'm used to or that I kind of think the church is all about. Jesus is calling people into some very challenging things. A little bit later, two chapters later, in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus talks about his own death, he challenges the people who are with him, the crowds who are with him, and he says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, then you need to be willing to die to yourself, take up your cross, and follow my way. That's a painting another description of basically saying, if I'm going to be your Lord, then you need to follow me. And, and live out my teaching. And this, this idea of obedience. So Luke, uh, as Luke writes, not only in this gospel, the historical account, gospel is another way of saying good news, this good news story of Jesus, he also wrote the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, Luke often references the early Christians as followers of the way. And what he means by that is followers of the way of Jesus. 
And so you'll come across this in Acts 9 and in um, several other places in the book of Acts. In Luke, it's more implied in following the teachings of Jesus. In the book of Acts, the earliest followers of Jesus, they weren't called, they weren't called the church. They weren't called Christians until much later in the book of Acts. They were originally identified as followers of the way, of the way of Jesus. And what that meant was people were identified by the way they lived and and others who were watching went, oh, they follow the teachings of Jesus. They live out the teachings of Jesus. And you can read uh, ancient history of people who were outside the church writing about Christians and how frustrating the Christians were. Because they just kept loving people and doing things that the rest of society wasn't willing to do. And there's some fascinating letters out there from Roman officials writing back and forth to each other, talking about these pesky Christians. Trees are identified by their fruit. Lives are identified by actions. And the actions that we begin to live out come through a willingness to let Jesus be our Lord and Master and come under His way and begin to live out His teachings. And when we live out those teachings, it produces the kind of fruit that we so desperately want to be a part of our life. And sometimes the teachings of Jesus are difficult And the teachings of Jesus aren't necessarily just the things that Jesus said, because the teachings of Jesus are also coming out in the other scriptural authors as they write about Jesus and as they try to guide the church as they're given this ability to lead the church. So there's all kinds of teachings of Jesus in the scriptures, and they often just get boiled down to the two things that we talk most about, about loving God and showing our love for God by the way we love others. And... um, There are other sermons you can watch on that. But when we choose to follow the way, live under the way of Jesus, I think that's this wonderful sign of wisdom and of being a wise kind of person. Have you ever thought about wisdom? Here's someone that's characterized as wisdom. Our friend Yoda with his many wonderful sayings in the Star Wars movies. But usually we associate wisdom with age, right? So the older somebody gets, generally speaking, the wiser they should become because they've got life experience and there's, you, there's no accounting for life experience. But it's interesting how Jesus identifies wisdom Because it's not just about experience. It's not just about knowledge. It's about what we do with it. So when Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say, I'll show you what it looks like when someone hears my teaching and then follows it. And then he goes on and he says this. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood rotters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. And of course, the next verse is just the exact opposite. That when somebody hears my teaching and doesn't live it out, it's like a person that builds a house on sand. And when the floods come, it falls apart. Can a young person be wise? 
If we want to take Jesus seriously, um, any one of the children that are in this room can be characterized as being wise in the sense that they receive teaching from Jesus and then they live it out. And I, and I think it's beautiful that Jesus is, is making it a lot easier for everyone who follows him to move into this idea of feeling like there's something good going on. It's not because you've got all kinds of Bible verses memorized. It's not because uh, you're reading commentaries and, and all these types of things. And they're all good in and of themselves. But wisdom is about hearing the teachings of Jesus and then obeying, living them out. And sometimes it's really hard to live out the teachings of Jesus. And I love this expression that I just heard recently, that with Jesus, sometimes understanding can wait, obedience cannot. And it's this wonderful opportunity to put our trust in someone that loves us so deeply. Matthew, if you look at his verse, tells the same story, but he uses the idea of wisdom, or wise and foolish. Wisdom and foolishness. When you have the opportunity to follow the teachings of Jesus, and you do, it's wise stuff. It's like building your house on rock. And when you don't, it's like building your house on sand. And I suspect that... When it comes to the things of Jesus, when it comes to your own life, I wonder if you're craving more than just knowing more stuff. We are in a world that is saturated with data. You have access to more knowledge than you could ever possibly imagine or even have time to pursue. But I suspect if you're anything like me, there are parts of your life where you're just craving for wisdom. You're craving to just realize that I want to I be known by the fruit I'm producing. And it's challenging. And I would just suggest that if you want to grow in wisdom, that you follow Jesus by living out his teaching. Loving Jesus by hearing what he has to say and then integrating that into your life. You know, like, it can't be that simple. Can it? It can't be that simple. And yet Jesus said himself as he was washing the feet of his disciples, the world will know that you are my followers by the way you love each other. That'll be the fruit that people see as tasty and sweet. I want to give you just a moment to just reflect for a moment on this question. Just to yourself, what is one teaching of Jesus that you'd like to follow better? And you might be hearing, like, I have no idea what the teachings of Jesus are. I could sum them up in two for you that are not as specific as some of them might be, but love God with your whole being and love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
If you can't think of any, there's two that you could start with. As you think about some of the teachings of Jesus, what is it that you'd love to follow Him better? Or where would you love to follow Him better? That's one thing to want to do better, and sometimes we realize that there are obstacles in the way. This is where I think we can be a help for each other. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you again to get into groups. If you're new, we've been doing this more recently. We're just getting into groups of six to eight, and we're answering a question. You do not have to talk. You don't have to participate. There's usually others who will do some of the talking. But I think you've got some great ideas as a response to some of what we've brought up this morning. So it doesn't all come from me. Together we learn from each other. And it might be that there's an area that you want to follow Jesus better in, but it's so hard. And sometimes it's because of the obstacles that get in the way. And maybe we don't even know what they are. So in groups of five or six, and if you're watching at home, if you're with someone, you can participate in this together. Answer this question. What are the reasons why, I've missed the word why, why we find it difficult to follow Jesus' teaching? What are the reasons why we find it difficult to follow his teaching? And it might be that something gets identified that you hadn't thought of. So I'm going to invite you now to get into groups of five or six. Um, Again, there's no pressure to participate, and we'll put some music on and just give you a few minutes to talk about that together, and then we'll come back and, uh, and wrap up our time. Okay? Thank you. 
give you uh, just 60 seconds to wrap up your conversation. just want to keep talking. You're like, Pastor, enough. Let us keep going. I'm going to get you to come back, focus in on the front here, and we'll just wrap up. And those of you who are watching at home, same for you. You know what's beautiful about this? Like, we've been doing this week on week, and um, it's just, there's so much there's so much experience and wisdom in here and voices that the Holy Spirit can speak through. And opportunities like this, I think, are just really key. And we want to continue just experimenting with some of this stuff. And if you're finding, like, I've got good news for you. If you're, like, finding, like, oh, that person talks a lot or I'm not sure I really like what they're saying, just sit somewhere else next week. So it's just, yeah. So it's just, you know, we'll, we'll give you that easy out, you know. It's a little bit difficult if it's just the two of you and you were just, you know, but. This amazing teaching from Jesus. Can I encourage you, perhaps this week, is to read back through Luke chapter 6 and just go back and look at some of the things that Jesus taught. If you want to be really studious, you can go to Matthew 5 to 7 and read many of the similar things in those. If you're here and you don't have a Bible that you enjoy reading, we have some at the back of the auditorium here before you go out. Just, it's on us. Help yourself. It's in a good translation. It's really small print, but um, feel free to to take a Bible uh, on us. And Luke 6, Matthew 5 to 7, there's some notes at the back that you can grab uh, that helps. Online, you can access the notes. But I just, I want to create these opportunities where we can learn from each other and not just have a, a univocal experience as we're here together. I want to pray for us and then just share a, a few announcements before we go on our way. Jesus, you said the most profound things that in some ways are so hard that we can't possibly live them ourselves. And I'm just grateful that you've promised us this, your Spirit, your Holy Spirit within us that allows us the beauty of growing into these things. We want to be characterized by having good fruit as individuals, as a congregation. And may that be true more and more and more as we journey together. And when we're struggling, help us. When we get it wrong, may we be repentant and fall on our knees and admit that and then just turn back to you and receive from you again forgiveness and love and mercy and grace so that we can live that out for others. You are 
our Lord, our Master. We want to follow your way, not ours. Through your Holy Spirit, may you enable us to see this become more and more true of our lives as a family. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Next Sunday, when you come, it's Father's Day. And I already joked about this before, like we couldn't do Mother's Day because of the restrictions and stuff, but we're going to do Father's Day and have a barbecue next Sunday. And if you could register, that helps us know how much food we need to buy. We're going to be barbecuing out there, so we'll finish the service, we'll mingle for a bit, then we'll go out and we'll have an early lunch, brunch, uh, simple food. Um, And it's going to be the best weather day in history. So if you love it hot, it's going to be hot. If you don't like it hot, it won't be hot. If you like the rain, like we can accommodate that. We have hoses and fans and shade. Like, we'll, we'll make it work for you. But it does help us if you could register online, newlifecollingwood.com, go to wherever the events are, or there is paper if you sign up out there. Um, so, uh, donating, contributing to our ministry, just a reminder for that, you can do that online through the website. There's also a box at the back. Uh, if you have been around for a long time and you have one of these, that belongs to the church, but you don't actually use it anymore, or you're not sure whether you should have it, um, could you just bring that into the office, and uh, or call the office and let them know, and we'd love to get some of these back. Um, there's about 8,000 of these floating around all over the community from years and years of stuff, but we're just trying to um, collect some of these in. So I'm just doing what I'm told, is to let you know that if you've got one of these, but you don't actually need it or use it, um, if you could return that to the office. So next week, when we get together for Father's Day, uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 9. There's a cool story in there about a dad and a kid who's really sick. And so just want to explore that about how we, how we ache for those that we love. Okay? See you next Sunday.